If you have your Bibles for a little while tonight, I want to turn your attention to the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. I want to read there down through verse 11, Colossians chapter 1. While you're turning there, I do want to say this, and it wasn't on the announcements, but two weeks from tonight, everybody say two weeks from tonight, going to be a wonderful night here. Uh, I think uh, I stumbled across some information recently about soul winning that has just inspired me and challenged me and I want to share some of that with you. Anybody ever wanted to witness to somebody and you knew there were scriptures in the Bible but you couldn't find them? Come Wednesday night, I'm going to show you how to fix that problem. All right? Amen. Bring your Bibles. Bring a Bible that you can mark in and bring some highlighters, about four or five different colors. And if you don't have a Bible you can mark in, go buy one. But I'm going to give you a tool that's going to help you be a better witness than you've ever been in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9, reading from the King James Version. It said, For this cause, and the cause was their love that they had developed for the Lord. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, According to his glorious power, unto, everybody say unto, all that he has said to this point is for this purpose, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Verse 12 said, giving thanks unto the Father which hath, give, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, just give me a moment. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible and uh, listen to what he said. Colossians 1, verse number 9. He said, For this reason we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk or live and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, And desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing 
and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller and deeper and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance, forbearance with joy. Now, let me read that last verse from the Living Bible, and it says, We are praying, too, that you will be filled with his mighty, glorious strength so that you can keep going no matter what happens. Amen. So you can keep going no matter what happens, always full of the joy of the Lord. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you about three great gifts. And everybody can say in Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. I love reading the Apostle Paul's writings. I love the New Testament epistles that bear his signature. Because when you read... um, the letters that he wrote to the church and the Christians of that early beginning, you see a heartbeat and a love for people that was truly amazing. And it seems that Paul always knew the right words to say, to speak at the right time for the right need. Every church setting was different. Every uh, New Testament Uh, area of uh, growth had its challenges, whether it was a Corinthian problem or whether it was in Colossae or Thessalonica. Each area had individual challenges and adversities that they had to face and deal with. And when you read Paul's letters, you've got to read carefully every word because he uses uh, great length at times to speak them a word of encouragement. I was reading this and I could not help but think about what the wise man in Proverbs said. He said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. One translation said it's like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. And the right word at the right time can make a difference in all of our lives. And Paul Paul had an understanding about the human element of living for God. He had an understanding about the human element in the spiritual life. He had insight into the struggles, the battles, the challenges, the tests, the adversities, the attacks, the the hardships, the opposition, the conflict. He understood all of those because he himself had endured many of those things. And somehow he learned through all that he experienced that there were some things that were 
indispensable to his spiritual life. That the reason that he succeeded and the reason that he made it through those things were because he had learned to possess certain gifts that God freely gives to his children. He also understood what it would take for a man or a woman to meet the challenges, the adversities, the hardships, and not only meet them but overcome them rather than be overcome by those things and ultimately to win the spiritual battle and the victory and the spiritual life he understood had many challenging things that were allied against it. They were both internally and externally problems that a person would endure or encounter in their spiritual journey. And what is so wonderful about all of this is that God in his wisdom foresaw everything that you and I would need to succeed in life and he gave it to us according to what Peter said in Second Peter 1 and 3. He said, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not only the physical life, but the spiritual life. Paul, or Peter said, God has given everything that we need. God knows us better than we know ourselves because he made us. And so he knows what we need to make it in life. James, the pastor of Jerusalem, said this in his book, first uh, chapter of James, the 17th verse. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift, or the word is suitable gift, the a, a a gift that's needed, not some of the things that we buy for one another at Christmas time just to make sure we've got our job done, but things that we need. He has given to us good gifts and perfect gifts, things that are suitable to our situation, our personality, our weaknesses, our strength. God knows all that about us. And so he has given to us gifts that are equivalent to whatever the challenges there might be that come to us in life. And so he said he has given every good and every perfect gift. It is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness and neither is there a shadow of turning. What he said is what God has given, you can count on it. You can live by it. You can have it. And it will help sustain you in whatever situation you might find yourself in. Now the church in Colossae had been born in a great spirit of revival, but it was not long after its spiritual birth and having received the word of truth and having responded so willingly to that and literally fallen in love with that word, the message that was being preached to them. They fell in love with the word. They couldn't get enough of the word. And I I love that about 
the Colossian church because that's the way I want to be about the word. I, I want to fall in love with that word and I want to draw out of it every time I read it something that will help give me strength for the day or the moment. And so the Colossians had done that. They had received the word of truth. They had responded. They had uh, received the Holy Ghost. They had been baptized. They had begun walking their spiritual journey. And then something happened. That word that they had been preached to began to come under attack. And it didn't come from outside. It came from inside. It came from people that began to infiltrate those early believers who were false teachers. And they began to teach and subvert the truth that they had been preached. And they began to hear of Christ, but a lesser Christ, the one that these who came in among them began to preach. He was good, but he was not all good. He was he, he was, uh, he could do some things, but he could not do all things or everything. He was, he, he was a watered down Christ. He was a watered down version of what they had been preached. And it began to be a serious problem. Their faith was being undermined. And so Paul wrote the book of Colossians to counteract that false teaching and if you read the whole chapter you will find that Paul vigorously defends the message and he talks about the mighty God in Christ and he reiterates to them how important it is that they keep that mindset that they never lose vision of who he really was and his preeminence his place he is above all through all in us all and uh, you can never lose sight of that. And so he, he was writing to a church that had been troubled. And not only were their lives being disturbed, but their faith was being undermined. And so he writes them to help steady their, their going so they do not lose faith. But in the midst of all of that, Paul understood that there were other things that were going on besides this attack of their faith in in God and, and, and their faith in, in the, the, the restoration work that Christ had begun in their life. He understood that in Colossae there were other things that were going on that were challenging people's lives and their faith. And so he, he begins his letter by trying to address those very quickly so that they would understand that God has given them everything that pertains to life and godliness, that you have within your disposal gifts that will help you and empower you. And Paul thought it was very important that uh, they understand, and, and he understood that there were things that were needful in life that were essential, so to speak, and it, it seems like, and I'm, I'm not trying to put words in Paul's mouth, but it seems like Paul realized that there were three great challenges to every spiritual life. Not just false teachers and, and the work of the devil, but there are three 
things that seem to be a challenge to the spiritual life. One of them was circumstances. Everybody say circumstances. Circumstances. That, that's the conditions affecting you right now. The uncontrollable elements of life. The things that no matter how well you plan, you cannot plan for them. The surprises, the unexpected. He was talking to them about circumstances and how life unfolds for us. It's, it's not always as we may have envisioned it when we came to the Lord and we gave our life to God. How many people have, have been disillusioned along the way because as soon as they gave their life to the Lord and began to serve the Lord, the devil pulled out all the stops and they fought the worst war they'd ever fought in their life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, everything the devil could throw at them, their mind came under attack, their thoughts came, I mean, their, their physical being came under attack, everything went wrong, Murphy's Law began to work in their life, if, everything, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And so here they are, surrounded by all of these circumstances, filled with the joy and filled with the goodness of God and the so in love with him and yet around them are all these circumstances that are going on that are crying out to them something must be wrong with you 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 wouldn't be in all of this if if god really if you were really his child i don't think god would put his children through these kind of problems and so paul understood that circumstances become an issue that all of us are going to struggle with it's going to be hard for some of us who serve the lord with our faithfulness over the years and years and years and then everything that could go wrong when we should be enjoying life when we should be gliding down the highway toward the end we're facing more battles we're fighting more things it's hard to understand the circumstances of life the harder you work the farther you get behind the more uncle sam gets the worse our government gets everything you put your trust in that you're going to have it when you get ready to retire it's so unstable right now, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. And so that's, that's the circumstances that we all find ourselves in, and we have no control over them. You, you can say every right thing. You can cross every T and dot every I and not avoid the circumstances of life, the uncontrollable events and conditions that come along the way of living. Now the truth is, if you didn't even live for God, you would still have to deal with the circumstances of life. Because people that don't live for God, they have heartaches, they have breakdowns, they have financial failures, they have all of that. But when we live for God, in our mind, we have the idea that the Lord is supposed to save us from all of that. And he did not come to save me from that. He came to save me in that. And there's a big difference. And so what I have in me is greater than what is against me. But sometimes in life we lose sight of that because we become overwhelmed by our circumstances. Things that we don't want to have to go through. We didn't want the news the doctor just gave us. 
We didn't want to have to go down this road that the, that, that the doctor said we're going to have. We didn't want to have to deal with these problems that the boss is telling us that we're going to have to face. We gave ourselves to the company and, and we thought the company would give themselves to us. And yet when it comes to crunch time, we're just another number or a figure. And so they make these decisions indiscriminately. It doesn't matter how that's going to affect you. And we have to live with that. We have to learn how to navigate the circumstance. Everybody say it one more time. Circumstances. Everybody has them. Some of you are living in the middle of some of it right now. And there's no rhyme or reason. I can't. It's not because you have failed God. It's not because you've taken a wrong turn. But maybe you're just going through some of those things that Paul realized were part of the spiritual journey that you cannot avoid. But he said, I want to give you something for that journey. The second thing that Paul seemed to understand that was going to challenge the spiritual life was people. Everybody say people. Yeah. Like those others in this room. People. Somebody said, you know, I could probably enjoy life if it wasn't for people. And I concur. Sometimes I can deal with my circumstances, but people. They get on my nerves. Or get on my nerves, as my granddaughter used to say when she was younger. They do that too. Human beings. I like the way Henry Labrie, the gentleman that helped us with our flood, every time we'd run into a problem with the insurance company, he'd just say, humans, humans. <laughs> and so that became the catchword. Anytime we ran up against a problem, it was humans. I can't say it like he said it, but that, that's a problem because we all have to deal with them. Would it be nice if you could just glide through life and, and live and not have to deal with people? Their lunacies, their ignorance, their selfishness, their self-life, all that goes into making life miserable for you. Don't you wish you could live life right now without certain people? Don't look around. Please don't look around. People. People. People causes problems. And family, friends, enemies, neighbors, it doesn't matter. We all have people problems. Amen. All of us have people problems. I know some of you are smiling right now. But I know we all have people problems. Because people have a way of getting under your nerves or on your nerves, or in your nerves. or They have a way of pushing the buttons that we don't even like to know exist. We don't want anybody else to know exist. But people, people. And Paul understood that people were going to be a challenge. The way they treated him, the way they talked to him, the way they looked at him, the way they dealt with him, and the fact that he was going to have to deal with people. And then the third thing that Paul seemed to understand was going to be significant in the spiritual life 
besides circumstances and people was attitudes. Everybody say attitudes. Attitudes. That's the orientation. In the aircraft, it's the orientation of that aircraft to the axis of the earth, I believe. It is an approach to life. It is a mindset. It is an outlook about life. Psychologists define attitude as a learned tendency in how we evaluate things in a certain way. And our attitudes are developed most often by our experiences. Isn't that amazing? You don't like something because your experience with that has been not a pleasant thing. So you don't like it. So your attitude, when that comes up, you could be joyful, happy, talking, singing, dancing, and that one thing come up and all of a sudden, bam. Why? Because your experience in that has made you have a certain outlook on life or a certain way of feeling when that subject comes up. And so immediately our, our antennas go up and we change our way of even interacting with people. And so the psychologists say that attitudes, they, they, they come from a certain learning, tendencies that we pick up as we go through life and how we react to those things and experiences you can can they they can either make you or break you many of us have had uh, some bad experiences in life and so we shy away from certain things because we just don't want to have to go down that road again and so everybody's going to have to deal with attitudes other people's but more often than not you're going to have to work on your own attitude Amen. Because it doesn't matter what anybody else's attitude is. What's going to wreck my life is not their attitude toward me, but my attitude toward them and toward myself and my life. That's what's going to ruin my life. So Paul understood three things, circumstances, people, and attitudes. Those were going to be the things that were going to challenge the spiritual life of every believer. And so for these many adversities, Paul had discovered that in this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, in this wonderful bounty of God that had been poured out in his life, that God has given to us three powerful gifts that will counteract Whatever negative those other three things might do in our life, whether it's circumstances, people, or attitudes. And so that's what he talks about in verse number 11. He talks about three things, and I'm going to go back and read that, and please don't get too bored with me yet. I'll put my arm back in the sling. You'll feel sorry for me, and you'll listen to me more carefully. He said, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. Three things to counterbalance those three elements that can destroy 
a life if we're not careful. And so the first one that he mentions, the King James Version translates it patience, but the original Greek word is the word that we get fortitude from. Sometimes that word is translated patience, but it means far more than what most people would equate with patience. It is far more than just bowing the head and letting the tide of events roll over you and overcome you or letting those things affect you. It was far more than simply gritting your teeth and and, and, and going on in spite of everything, it was more than that. The word fortitude meant the ability or the strength or the power or the capacity or the aptitude to bear things, to pick things up and carry them instead of being crushed by them. When the burden of life and circumstances gets so heavy that this gift that God has given to us will enable you to get back up on your feet when it tries to crush you to the earth. It will help you get back up on your feet and carry that burden on through life and not allow it to destroy you. It is the ability to stand things. Everybody say stand things. To be able to withstand things. It is the ability to abide, to keep going. It is the ability to swallow some things. Some things in life you just have to swallow. What what, what did Jesus say in Matthew? He said that we are to be wise as serpents. And harmless as dove. Now, I don't know how smart a snake is. But I got to looking at that one time, and I thought, Lord, as far as I know, a snake doesn't have much of a brain. He has to operate from his senses. And uh, how? what is the wisdom of a snake? What, what is the wisdom? And then I thought, you know what? The only thing I could think of was a python. Everybody know what a python is, don't you? Not only that, but a regular snake. The way the jaws of a snake are designed, according to what I studied, they have the ability to unhinge. And that little old bitty tiny mouth, when it gets ready, it can swallow something much bigger than itself. They found boa constrictors and pythons with whole pigs inside of them. A whole cow or a whole human being inside because it has the ability to unhinge its jaw and distend its mouth so that it can swallow stuff that's a lot bigger than it. That's the wisdom of a snake. That sometimes in life you just have to learn how to Swallow it. You just have to learn how to gulp it down and keep on smiling. That God has given you the ability spiritually that instead of letting that thing eat you up, you can eat it up. 
And that's what he's talking about here in this word fortitude. It is the ability when life throws you something that's just trying to overwhelm you just to gulp it down as if it was nothing at all. It's the ability to accept or to suffer things or endure things that you don't think you can endure, but somehow there's something in you. There is a strength. It's more than patience. It's, it, it is this inner determination that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that if God be for me, who can be against me? It is an understanding that what God put in you is greater than whatever the devil can throw against you. Amen. But it's also the ability to bear things and turn them into glory or turn them into good. Now, there's one thing in life that you just bear problems, and I've seen a lot of people that bear problems, and you can tell it. But they're never able to turn it into good. They're never able to turn it into something that will help them. They never get to the point in life where they are able to take what is trying to destroy them and make it help make them. That there is nothing, there is no weapon that is formed against you that shall prosper. I don't care what the devil comes up with, his plan. I don't care what it is he devises against you. God said, I am going to give you something that will help you that no matter what the devil schemes to do, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And not only that, he said, even the tongue that they use to speak against you, he's going to bring it to silence. Amen. So it is that ability to take what wants to burden you down and help it carry it to where it literally begins to bear you up. Amen. What he's talking about is a conquering spirit. It is an ability to deal with anything that life throws at us or it does to us. It is that spirit which no situation can defeat, no matter what the circumstances are. There's something God has put in the Holy Ghost. It's in you right now if you have the Holy Ghost. It's called fortitude. And it's that ability to put that thing on your back and stand up on your feet and walk on and live for God and do what's right and not let it crush you down to the ground. It's in you right now. Fortitude. It is that ability, the spirit which no situation can defeat. And Paul understood that for the circumstances of life, that's what you need. Fortitude. Amen. Fortitude, that ability to just put it on your shoulders and carry it a little further. The losses, the challenges, the setbacks, all of the things that life throws at us. There is a strength that events in life cannot destroy. No matter what happens to you, it cannot destroy you. What a gift. Amen. And God put it. It's part of the gift of the Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, one fruit. That means in that fruit are these elements. 
And when God gave you the Holy Ghost, when he poured his spirit out in your life, in that mixture, I feel like preaching right now. In that mixture that he put inside of you, there is a strength and there is a power that will help you get up on your feet and square your shoulders and lift your hands and sing and worship God and go on. Amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise him. Amen. The second word that he used and the second gift that he mentioned is long-suffering. And it is the word we would translate as patience. Patience. Long-suffering. It's a word that's connected to relationships. I think you know where I'm going with this. And this is what all of us need when it comes to dealing with people. We have patience with circumstances, but some of us don't have patience with people. Paul said, you don't need patience with circumstances. You need fortitude with circumstances. But what you need with people is patience. To understand the weakness of humanity and to understand that none of us are perfect and to understand that all of us have faults and failures and give people the benefit of the doubt. Give them the credit whether they deserve it or not. Let me ask you something tonight. Did you get what you got from God because you deserved it? So why is it so hard for us to give to others what they don't deserve? Because we've gotten so much that we don't deserve. I'm so thankful. Brother Clarke, thank you for the songs tonight. Every one of them. They they, they ministered to me because I began to think, think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that's brought us through. The only reason any of us are here tonight is because of that. The only reason any of us can lift our hands and pray or worship is because of the love of God. And the love that before we even knew how to respond, He loved us even while we were yet sinners. There's a lot of good people that they, they can love, 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 love as long as you do good. But they don't know how to They don't know how to react to life when people are people. And when all of the warts and the the weaknesses and all of the frailties of humanity begin to show up, we don't know how to deal with that. And so we let people get to us. We let them steal our joy. We let them steal our peace. We let one person ruin a whole day because they said something or they did something that hurt us or we didn't like. And so we ruin the whole day because we've not learned to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't mean what they said and even if they did. It doesn't matter anyway. Because what God said about me is more important than what people say about me. Amen. Do you understand tonight that people will try you? (laughs) Some of them are trying you right now. And your patience are really, really, really thin. Some of us are about to explode on somebody right now. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. 
Please don't do that. There's not a lot of that there anyway, so don't waste any of it. I don't mean you, but I mean just matter. There's not a lot up there compared to the rest of our body. We don't have enough to give away, so don't be giving people a piece of your mind because it really doesn't matter in the end. What's going to matter is whether or not you were able to look at them through the same eyes that the Lord looked at people. Their unpleasantness, their maliciousness, their cruelty. It's hard to do, folks. I know. I'm preaching to myself tonight. We never seem to know how to deal with that because so many times it drives us to bitterness. I love what the psalmist said, and I... I, I remembered it while I was preparing this afternoon, and I didn't add it in, but I wanted to go back to it. In Psalms 106, one of my all-time favorite scriptures that I try to go back and read often in my spiritual life, and I would challenge every one of you to open your Bible and mark it, just draw a big circle around this verse. But in Psalms chapter 106, And verse number 5, I believe it is, he said, uh, verse 4, he said, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. God, help me to see the good of thy chosen. Amen. Because sometimes all I see is what gets on my nerves and what just drives me to distraction and makes me want to pull my hair out. God, help me to see the good. The good. There's good in everybody. It may be buried under a bunch of trash, but maybe God brought you into somebody's life to help you help them resurrect that good that's in their life. And when it comes to dealing with people and their cruelty and their maliciousness and all of the unpleasantness, their unteachableness will drive you to despair if you are not careful. And you have got to make sure that when we deal with people, We learn how to deal with them with patience. The frame of mind that will not allow them to drive you to irritation no matter what happens. Their hatred will not make you lose your love and become a hater. Amen. That's deep, folks. Never lose patience with. Never lose belief in. Never lose hope for men. We need that kind of patience desperately in the hour in which we live. This is the spirit that no person can defeat. Patience. Say it with me. Patience. I know some of you choked. Say it one more time. Patience. Patience. People. Patience. People. Patience. People. Go go home tonight. People. Patience. Patience. People. People. Patience. Patience. People. Just keep saying it until you understand that it's in you. It's not something that you've got to go out and get. It's in the gift that God's already given you. The 
the ability to bear long with people. Man, boy, I'm thankful somebody did with me. Amen. I'm thankful somebody did. And then the last, and I'm going to close. The last but not least of the gifts was joy. Joy. Everybody say joy. There is a spirit that understands that life is not a grim struggle with people or circumstances or events. But here is an attitude of life that cannot be defeated. And that's what I want you to understand is that it's an attitude of life. Joy is an attitude. It's not a feeling. Some people don't have any joy because they say, well, I don't feel. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is an attitude. Joy is a frame of mind. Joy is an outlook on life. Joy is an an attitude in relationship to other people and life and circumstances and all that goes into what I am. Here is an attitude that life cannot defeat. Joy. Shadows can't quench it. Suffering can't take it down. People can't move it. Circumstances can't rob it. Events can't eclipse it. It is joy. Now, the word joy in our understanding means a positive attitude or a pleasant emotion. But the Hebrew word was a word that meant to spin around or to shine or to be bright. It meant cheerfulness, calm delight, gladness, contentment. This joy does not come from things. It comes from one place. One place. It's not the feeling one has when you beat somebody. Joy. I got them. It doesn't come from things or events. It comes from one source. It comes from God. It comes from Him. It is a delight of mind arising from the consideration of a present or an assured possession of some future good that's coming to mind. So what I said then was, Joy is something that looks at the moment but doesn't get locked into the moment because it knows something better is coming down the road. Weeping may endure for a night, but what's coming down the road? Joy. So joy is a frame of mind that doesn't get lost in whatever's going on right now, but it lifts its eyes and it looks a little further to not some future date, but the promises that God has made to us and the assurances that God has given to us. And that joy is not based on things. It's based on His Word. Amen. I want you to listen to what He said in Romans chapter 5. It, it, this is good. I don't care who, who, who it is that reads this. This is awesome when you read Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also 
we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I don't even know how to preach that. The glory of God. What is the glory of God? But we have access to that because of what God has done in our life. And then he goes on a little further in in Romans 8 and verse 18. He says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Joy is something that is able to look beyond the situation that is to what is to come to understand that the promises of God are yea and amen. The promises of God will never fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall stand forever. That what God has written and what God has spoken is going to stand. And when everything else around me melts to nothing, the word of God is going to keep standing. And what that word promises is going to come to pass. Amen. My Lord, I didn't know I was going to get so excited preaching this tonight. This is a kind of joy that looks beyond the present to the future. And it sees a God who's in control of all things. John said, I was in the Isle of Patmos. But he went on to say, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And then in Revelation chapter 4, he said, and the heaven, a door was open in heaven. It seemed like God, he said, I'm just going to give you a glimpse so you don't get discouraged by what you're surrounded by. I want to show you what's going on in another world. That's your world. And he opened a door and he said he saw a throne. One, a throne. A throne. A throne. And one who sat on the throne. That's heaven. You're not going to see three people when you get up there. You're going to see one mighty God who was revealed in Christ Jesus. And one is going to sit on the throne. And when he saw that, it made everything around him insignificant because he said it doesn't matter what goes on here. That's the real world. That's what's really what matters. And that's what I need to keep my eyes on. And when you let the joy of God get down in your heart, it doesn't matter what's happening right now. It doesn't matter what you've got to live through or wade through or deal with. You know that on the other side is a victory that hell cannot take away from you. And the devil Devils in hell cannot stop you from, and that if you will keep with the right attitude in life, <laughs> if you'll just keep the right attitude in life, life will never defeat you. Problems will never overcome you. Do you understand tonight, I think most of you do, that a wrong attitude is toxic? Yeah, a wrong attitude, a negative outlook on life will make life miserable for you. And everybody that lives around you. Amen. You know, sometimes it would do all of us good to stop and consider when something goes wrong in my life, what is my 
first reaction. What are the first things that come out of my mouth? Complaint? Gripe? Oh, I'm human. Oh, I know I am. I know you are too. But there's something better that can come out of your mouth in circumstances like that. And it is a praise that these, this is not the whole story. This is not the whole, this is not what it's all about. There's something more important being played out. And understanding that behind it all, above it all, under it all, around it all, is the God who I love and I praise. And no matter what happens in this life, this is not the life. This is not the end of life. There's life beyond the grave. I wish I had time to preach that. You see, life is going to burn your stake sometime or other. <laughs> and you say, well, I paid for better than that. I know, but I want you to consider something. Didn't Jesus pay for better than what he's got from a lot of humanity? But he did it anyway. Oh, thank God he did it anyway. Amen. Lord, help me to have that unquenchable joy that rises up when things begin to happen that I can find a way to praise you through it all. Amen. That no matter what happens, I understand that this is not the end. It's just a prelude. It's an intersection. It's a pause. But the end, he has control over and the end will not come until he says the end will come. And even then, it's not the end for a child of God. It's the beginning. God have mercy. Help me to have that kind. There must be something that rises up in me and it spills over into every aspect of life. A joy that the world didn't give and the world cannot take it away. Amen. There must be a praise that rises up in us that can say praise God anyhow. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Amen. Learning how to turn your words in the right direction. Give Him the honor and the glory that He deserves. Because when it's all said and done, the only thing that's going to matter is what he said and what he's done. Amen. And what I know this much about tonight is he's faithful. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed beg bread. Amen. Stand to your feet. Amen. Lift up your hands and your voices right now and just praise the Lord, would you? Would you give God thanks for His mercy and goodness tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Help me, Lord. Help me tonight. Lord, give us that endurance. Give us that fortitude. God, help that spirit of long-suffering to rise up in us tonight. And that joy that is unquenchable. Oh, joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Let it rise to our lips. 
and give you praise and give you honor and give you glory for all things that you have done. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.